Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and I am not joined by anyone in this room where I'm speaking right now because I am recording an intro for this very special podcast. This is a Guardians of the Galaxy edition of This Week in Marvel. We, uh, I had the luxury, the opportunity, the pleasure to be on the set for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy in 2013, and, you know... I talked to the cast, talked to the crew, talked to so many people, but I really was delighted to get to sit down with Jonathan Schwartz, the producer for the film, one of the producers for the film, uh, someone who I've known, you know, a little bit here and there. We've, you know, we've acquaintances through uh, through just what we do, but hadn't really had a chance to sit down and chat with him, talk to him, get to know him a little bit more previous to this. Uh, whereas, you know, someone like Jeremy Latcham, I've known a long time. We've done a lot together. Um, you know, seeing Jonathan was just, it was great. Watching him, you know, work his butt off for this film was terrific. And uh, I think he gives us a lot of great information in this podcast. Hopefully, hopefully it'll all get to stay in this episode. But uh, take a listen and make sure you see Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy in theaters now. You know, you, you were saying uh, uh, it's one of the most human films that I think we've made in terms of the script. And I, I think that's one of the keys to making this movie work yeah like you really have to identify with these characters on an emotional level in a way that maybe you don't in some of our other movies that are easier buys <coughs> if you really care about quill and drax yeah. and groot and rocket and gamora as people and characters or aliens or whatever it is yeah. then it becomes much easier to buy this whole big crazy science fiction universe yeah and so that's kind of where all this emotion comes from and where all this humor comes from right which helps you kind of experience the universe another way and say man this really is absurd it really is funny but oh, i'm just gonna go with it yeah i was fascinated how that you know the, these five characters so totally different but and you know two of them are, are sort of like these creatures but especially the way it was described for Groot, you know, the little the subtleties, the way he moves, the part where he's like, he's licking himself like a cat. Yeah. And like, I was like, oh my God. And then, and then that, the, the, the big pivotal moment where, you know, the, the, the we are Groot moment. I was oh like, yeah. Oh, damn. That was great. <laughs> it was really good. I was so happy. Yeah. I mean, Groot, Groot has one of the most fully realized arcs out of any of our characters, yeah. which is all the more amazing because all he ever says is I am Groot. <laughs> like, he only says, he says a grand total of five words for the entire script. My wife is very confused by that. She's like, how? I'm like, no, it's going to work. I, I, I hope it works. Yeah. I mean, you know, the hope is the first time he says I am Groot, the audience is, what is this? I'm getting, he just says I am Groot, what's the, what's the deal? And the second time he, he says I am Groot, you know, it becomes a joke, it's funny. Yeah. And the last time he says it, it is this really yeah. powerful emotional beat. Yeah, it's really good. So, what's your what's been your uh, your arc personally at Marvel? Because I mean, you've been around for a little while now, and I've seen your studios over the years. And I've now... been around. Um, I joined up in late two thousand eight as Kevin's assistant, and I worked for Kevin uh, for a little over two years, two two and a half years. So, I was his assistant through Iron Man two and the first Thor movie and the first Captain America movie, and then around Avengers, I sort of started transitioning off of his desk and we started trying to find a replacement and I started kind of working with Jeremy on Avengers and then eventually we brought in Megan, uh, Kevin's assistant now, mm -hmm. right when Avengers really got started shooting. So the week before, or the week after Avengers started shooting, I was done training Megan and I flew to New Mexico to be with the Avengers and there's Leech Creek. That's nuts. And then we posted Avengers and started thinking about what's next and that turned out to be Guardians. 
Um, what was, so what was that conversation like? I mean, you know, we have 8,000 characters. We have so many things. You know, even with what we, we have in our stable, there's so many options. What, what made you guys say, oh, Guardians have to be what we're doing? That, that's one of those conversations that takes place over my head, quite frankly. <laughs> um, but I think everyone was excited by, the, by you know, Nicole Perlin had written a script that came out of our writer's program. Yeah. And I think it sort of got everybody thinking, what's the next property that doesn't, that isn't part of the Avengers mm -hmm. universe? You know, all these things are part of the same universe, yep. eventually, in a broad sense. But what's the next movie that is not primarily composed of one of the Avengers? Um, and I think the idea of doing a movie that's set in a cosmic universe sort of became this opportunity to plan this big cosmic landscape, which is a huge part of the comic books and has this backbone of years and years and years of amazing storytelling um, that becomes this great big sandbox that you can start setting movies in. Yeah. And what's the, the way into that universe becomes this really cool cast of characters. We all sort of took a look at it and said, you know, all the things that we love from Iron Man and Tony Stark and Thor and Steve Rogers are really there in these guys. Uh, if we approach them the right way. Yeah. And we sort of took a little time to, to figure out that way in. And once we did, it was like, man, we really feel like we have a movie. And the idea of doing something that was different from a genre standpoint, mm -hmm. I think was exciting for everybody. Sure. Like the, idea of do, the idea of doing a big space opera um, that wasn't necessarily a, a superhero origin story or something that felt like it belonged more in the Marvel Universe proper, I think was exciting. So Guardians of the Galaxy is still very much in terms of tone and content, what you're gonna see is that feels like a Marvel brand, mm -hmm. um, but it's also something that feels fresh and original and different. Yeah, it, uh, that's 100% correct, because it's, it's like, yeah, it definitely feels like one of our films. It has, a, to me, in a, in a bunch of ways, very much that Iron, the original Iron Man feel to it, you know, and like the heart and the, the grittiness that the characters have to go through and some of the things, that, you know, the digging through and, and getting to that point, um, but then that big feel of Avengers, you know, and it's just feels like one of ours, but it's so different from everything else yeah. at the same time. Yeah, and it's and it's also, you know, it really is like the first Iron Man movie in a lot of ways. Um, it's They're not characters that people have a great deal of familiarity with, so you, we can't take any shortcuts. Yeah. You really have to make people care about these characters in the movie with no backstory and bringing nothing, bringing no baggage to the table. Yeah. Like, you get two hours to make people care about these guys. Nobody's read any comics. The audience has no idea who they are. There's no, there's no shortcut there, um, which is exciting and cool <laughs> in a way. Like everyone's coming in with a clean slate, but yeah. it's a lot of work to do in terms of creating this ensemble that really no one has any experience with. Yeah. Like the Avengers had the advantage of all these individual films leading up to it that do a little bit of the heavy lifting, so you can at least reference for your audience coming back. This is kind of all tabula rasa. Yeah, no, it, it, but it works. Um, so tell me about James Gunn. How did you guys, uh, like, how did James Gunn get into the picture? Um, we did a huge director search, which is what we always do for our movies, and sort of meeting different people and figuring out who knows the material, who's excited by it, who wants to do a movie here. Because, you know, making a movie at Marvel is, is uh, a big proposition. It's two years of your life spent with us in the trenches, arm in arm, making a film. And you want someone who's going to be able to come in and uh, work with you and bring their own vision and impart their spirit to the movie. And you want to make sure that, that vision, that spirit, are, are what you all have in mind. Um, so with that in mind, we met with a lot of different people. James came in. Uh, he's a really impressive guy in the room. He's really personable. He's really creative. He's really smart. Mm -hmm. He has an amazing writing career. And he's written incredibly funny, intense, moving scripts. Um, and we took a look at his movies, and we thought, you know, they're not 
huge action movies, but there's real heart there, and there's real humor there, and there's real stakes there. Like there's really something to those movies that you don't yeah. see in poor comedies, that you don't, <laughs> and, it, and you don't see in a lot of independent film. Yeah. Um, and, when, and as we started meeting with James a little bit more, it became clear that he was incredibly prepared and incredibly committed, and that he really wanted this job and was going to really fight for it, and that he really wanted to make a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and that 100% he was in. And I think at that point, we sort of looked at each other and said, I think it's going to be a James Gunn film. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. I mean, he really came in and won the job. It was fantastic. Yeah, I saw some, you know, looking around the room, seen some cool stuff, like things that are pulled from the Admin Landing story, things that are pulled from, you know, all kinds of different places in the Marvel Universe. How much of that came from, you know, from you guys, from James, from concept designers, from the script itself? It all comes from different places. Yeah. I mean, totally, it, um, Abnett and Landing certainly were a big jumping off point for all of us mm -hmm. in terms of the spirit that they, the, the spirit and fun and tone that they brought to the comics was one of the things that we thought, oh, this could really work in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um, in terms of where the artwork comes from, you know, Marvel has their own in-house team of Charlie Wen and Ryan Minerding. Charlie sort of rent point of some of the okay. dev guys on this one. Um, and then our production designer, Charlie Wood, is kind of the other component of that. He did Thor 2 for us. Mm -hmm. um, he's a really, really talented guy. And so a lot of the ship design and vehicle design and environmental design comes from, comes from Charlie Wood. And it's really well this way. Should I walk you through a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. So you Yep. Spielbergian moment, um, and then we go to Planet Morag, which is where Quill first finds the orb, uh, the crazy artifact you've seen the Comic Con piece. Yeah, and um, what I, you know, we watched the Comic Con footage, and you yeah. know, it was really cool. But in the script, there's all this stuff leading up to that moment, and all the stuff after that moment that I was fascinated by, like the the cool technology and just that that quick, probably like three minutes of world building that's done there is really cool. Yeah, I mean, the hope is that in in just like you said, in, in that small amount of time, we can really make this universe feel like yeah. something cool and unique, and so you'll really understand the world you're in right up front. Yep. Um, and that's that planet Morag is where Quill has a first encounter with Jaiman Hansu's character Korath. Uh, Jaiman's back with us this week, and he has done an incredible job. He's such a great actor, like he and he really loves doing it. I think. That's I think awesome. he loves being part of a movie this big. Yeah. Like one of the things we found with actors who haven't necessarily done a movie like this before is that they come in and look around and they say. Sets. This is a really big deal. <laughs> and they get really excited about being part of this universe, which is really great to see. Yeah, totally. Um, this is a little bit of Peter Ship. Uh, so, this is the interior of the Milano. Over yeah, there. that's okay. the set we're shooting on today, actually. Cool. So, what's up right now is sort of this kind of the wing structure in the belly, the living area. Mm -hmm. And then this, the cockpit, or this, um, is over on a gimbal, over on a, mm -hmm. it's S stage. Um, but yeah, we're in the living area today, which is where the group sort of talks to furs after they escape from uh, uh, the kiln. Um, this is our villain ship, the Dark Aster. It's huge and menacing and awesome. So cool. And that's where we first meet Ronan and Nebula, our two other main villains. Nebula. How hard was it to convince Karen Gillan to shave her head? Um, not that hard. Awesome. One, one of James's requirements for the role was that the actor shave her head, um, and he would not accept any substitutes. And because the truth is with that prosthetic that we've designed mm -hmm. for Nebula, which is what makes her one of the coolest characters in the movie, if the head's not perfectly shaved, yeah. it doesn't fit right, and it sure. wrinkles, and it just doesn't, 
doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, so Karen, I hope, came into it with open eyes <laughs> and apparently had a great time having her head shaved. Um, has a wonderful wig, which you can wear around if you want. Yeah. Looks incredible with no hair. Um, and when she walks onto the set as Nebula, it is truly, truly amazing. That's like, awesome. Even, you know, there are tons of amazing movie characters who, if you saw them live, would not impress you at all. And Nebula's not one of those characters. Like, if you if you see her with the bionic arm and the bionic eye and the blue and purple skin, she looks great. That's so cool. And the the uh, the design for Ronan looks great. It's very cool, very regal. I like the the subtle creeness of it. You know what I mean? With uh, at least on this one, there's yeah. that circle in there. Yeah, Ronan. Uh, it's it's uh, certainly inspired by the comic books. I think in a great way. And yeah. Charlie Wen, our, our uh, BizDev lead always does such a great job of taking the spirit of those comic books and figuring out what really works from a design standpoint so you don't lose that essential Ronin-ness of it all, um, and then taking it and really making it feel like it works in this universe. Yeah. Um, these are some of the Necrocraft, which are kind of the smaller ships that Ronin uses in his fleet. There's kind of this big dark aster and then this big uh, hive of Necrocraft <laughs> around him. It's really cool. It's an awesome name for a ship, too. The that's, Necrocraft. That's pure James. <laughs> um, the first time we meet Rockin' and Groove is kind of at the Xandar Mall, which you read a little bit about in the script. Xandar mm -hmm. uh, is just this cool, bright, pulpy, colorful environment, which I think is great. And uh, you know, one of the keys to make it feel real and cool is it's not just this big, sculpted CG place. There are a lot of real elements to it. So we're going to go to Liège and tile the train station. We're going to go to Singapore and tile the gardens, oh, and tile cool. the gardens at, by the bay and the London Bridge. Uh, here in London, so we're taking all these real elements and incorporating them into our big CG environment just to help ground the universe a little bit. That's awesome. Because it's really easy if you have this big crazy universe that's full of CGI that doesn't feel real at all to sort of have that unreality create a barrier between sure. the audience and the movie, and that's what you want to avoid. So you ground the movie whenever, wherever you can. Yeah, and then it's the home of the Nova Corps, yeah, home, right? And home so of the Nova Corps. Um, this is where they arrest Rocket and Groot and Gamora and Quill after that first crazy chase through the Xandar Mall. Um, the Nova fly these awesome ships, the Star Blasters, which we're going to see a lot of in this movie and are cool. incredibly cool. Yeah. Um, it's one of, you know, we had a, some very early concept artwork done before uh, James came aboard, and one of those designs that really stuck around from that round of concept artwork were these Star Blasters, these uh, big star-shaped ships that the Nova fly. It's just one of, the, uh, it's just a really cool design element for us. It's like a, it looks like a cross between a star and a fish, but not a starfish, but, <laughs> you know, it has like these elements. It's so cool, very sleek. Yeah, once you see those, that star back kind of articulate in this uh -huh. kind of squid way and it sort of accelerates oh, and that, gonna it's going to be really cool. Yeah, and I love the uh, the Nova, the, the Korsman gear. Oh, yeah. We saw, we were in the office and saw the, you know, early concept art and I was like, oh, that's a great way to, to affect what, you know, may not work as well from the comics to the screen it looks really good. Oh, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you like that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was a big uh, design challenge for Charlie as well, yeah. taking that from the comic and making it work on screen, and I think he did a, a really amazing job. I mean, that when we saw that piece of artwork right there, it, we all just said, that's Nova Corps. Yeah. Nail it. And you killed it with uh, having John C. Riley and Peter Serafinowicz in that scene. Oh, they're so good. Oh, my god. They're gosh. so funny together. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, that was one of the very early days of shooting uh -huh. with the two of them. Um, and, our, and our first day with both of them, and we ended up, you know, when you shoot a movie, you tend to shoot one angle and then not go back to it. Mm -hmm. And we ended up going back to that straight-on shot of John C. Riley and Peter Serafinowicz 
a couple of times just because they were so funny to get coming up with new stuff, and they really got in this groove as we went along over the course of the day. Yeah. They just both brought so much to it. It was amazing. And when Peter delivers that a-holes line, it's <laughs> one, of the, one of the funniest things I've ever it's heard. so good. What a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> um, this is essentially the heart of the movie. Yeah. That one keyframe. Yeah. And you read a little bit about the escape and how mm -hmm. the team sort of meets Drax and yep. all of them kind of have to come together reluctantly to yeah. escape from the kiln prison. And I, I, I hope we get to, you know, I hope people really notice the Drax and his persona and his just straightforwardness that is that works so well. It's so funny and, and so earnest. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that really works on the page and then Dave Bautista comes in and acts it out and it becomes so much better than you ever imagined. It's great. Like, he's really killing it on this movie. And in a very real way, Drax is going to steal the film. I'm glad. It's great. And we, we just shot Drax's big emotional moment mm -hmm. where you realize there's so much more behind that, uh, that mask of rage that he wears. There, there's so much more emotion and tragedy there. Uh, and it's just incredible. Yeah. Dave, be, Dave's this really amazing actor in this huge, hulking body creating this amazing moment with a talking raccoon. <laughs> It's going to be insane. It's going to be great. I'm great. I'm so glad. Uh, and then you're familiar with Nowhere a little bit, the which ever had of a floating celestial. Blew us away when we, when we found out Ben on my team. I don't know if you know Ben Morris. He's one of my editors. He's Nova's his favorite character. Yeah. Like he, he lives and breathes this universe. And so when he knew that we were going to have Nowhere in the, in the film, he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, man, it's, it's all there. It's going to be cool. It's going to be very cool. Um, Nowhere as we conceived in the movie is uh, kind of a mining community, so it's this uh, yeah. this kind of seedy mining town that's built up around farming the, the spinal fluid of that celestial head. So twisted, <laughs> I love it. Uh, feels very James Gunny. Yeah. And that's where they meet Benicio the Collector. It's uh, Benicio's first shooting day is tomorrow, which we're all very excited about. Um, you know, they have that big scene in the Collector's Lab with uh, Benicio, he sort of explains more about what the orb is. Yeah, uh, it's really exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing the collector's collection, like because yeah. you know you get a little bit and a couple bits and pieces of it in the script, but knowing you know how how deep we get with these things. Yeah, well, it's gonna be cool. We get to tie a few pieces of the universe together in that moment. We think it's gonna be, there, there's gonna be some cool stuff in there. That's great. Um, and you know that's where they play there in Buddha Jamaya, where they play that awesome Orlone Pasaki game, which we which we shot the other day and looks incredible. Awesome. It's gonna be great. Um, we have that chase moment in the space pods where mm -hmm. the Necrocraft come and have that big uh, action sequence through the sphere of nowhere. Uh, we've seen the previews for that. It's gonna be, it's gonna blow your mind. You know, <laughs> huge. Um, and then we kind of head into our final battle with uh, Michael Roper's Yondu and six-time Oscar nominee Glenn Close. Um, they make me say that every time I say Glenn Close's name. <laughs> uh, and the, you know. Kind of this big, multi-layered, tiered yeah. final battle that takes place in a bunch of different settings and uh, has a bunch of big emotional beats that we can hang our hats on, and yeah. uh, it's gonna be great. Oh, it's gonna be big. It's a nice, big, epic finale. Yeah, it seems like it's the right length. And you know, one of the things we learned from Avengers was the way you by creating moments. Yeah, that's what the audience really remembers. Totally. And the thing I love about the final battle and the way it was scripted is it has moments. Like, what you remember from Avengers is probably this <laughs> and, and the tie-in shot. Yeah. Like, those, like a few really cool elements will make kind of a long final battle feel like you're flying right through it. And, right. And bring the audience along for the ride. 
and creating those types of moments are yeah. sort of what we tried to bring to this movie. A big Star Wars, Star Wars feel to it too. And, you yeah. Know, like those moments that you're just talking about, I can see that for us here as well. It's gonna be cool. Yeah. Excited. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. That wraps it up for my Guardians of the Galaxy episodes of This Week in Marvel. Had a blast talking with Jonathan, as well as James Gunn, Dave Bautista, Chris Pratt, and Zoe Saldana. We actually did record a couple more, but I think I'm going to hold them for uh, the time when the DVD home video release comes out because there's some cool information and uh, lots of details about different props and things like that. Uh, Should be pretty awesome. Uh, Hopefully we'll get to use them then um if not then i didn't say this i didn't say anything you didn't hear anything from me uh just go enjoy marvel's guardians of the galaxy in theaters now this is marvel your universe